Welcome to the Karis Christian Center podcast. God is so good. We've been talking about vision. We've been talking specifically about our church vision. We began with knowing Jesus. I believe the ultimate goal of the New Testament is to know Jesus and make him known. Praise God. Paul said that I may know him and the power of his resurrection being made conformable to his death. And then he went on to say that I may um, get a hold, that I may attain, that I may get a hold of what he got a hold of me for. You know, that's, that's really what life's about, knowing him and getting a hold of what he got a hold of us for. Amen? And um, he says, this one thing I do, I forget the things that are behind me. This is in Philippians chapter 3, about verse 10 through verse 14. He says, I forget the things that are behind me, and I press toward the mark of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. There is a high calling of God in Christ Jesus. We're going to be talking about that today. We're going to be talking about living with purpose. But the first one we talked about was knowing Jesus. The second one we talked about was experiencing grace. Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 10, he says, I am what I am. By the grace of God, his grace bestowed upon me was not in vain, for I labored more abundantly than they all, yet not me, but he said it was the grace of God that was with me. How many of you thank God for the grace of God that is with you, helping you accomplish what God's called you to do? Praise God. The third thing we talked about was building relationships. It's so important that you build positive relationships in life. You know, one of my favorite verses is Proverbs chapter 13, verse 20. It says, he who walks with wise men shall be wise, but the companion of fools shall be destroyed. You know, I know some people, they're doing pretty good, but then they connect with somebody that's a little bit crazy. And you get a little bit of crazy and you multiply it, and all you got is multiplied crazy. And it just doesn't work out very well, amen? Paul talks about this in Romans 16. You know, he's talking about living out the righteous life of Jesus. In the first 16 verses, he talks about 30 people, individuals, or groups of people who helped him accomplish what God wanted him to accomplish in life and ministry. And then in verse uh, 17, he, he just goes in. In fact, I'm going to read it. Uh, Romans chapter 16, verse 17, he just goes into a little bit farther, and he says, uh, now I beseech you, brethren, mark those who cause division and offense contrary to the doctrine which you have learned and avoid them. He says, just mark them and avoid them, for they are not serving our Lord Jesus Christ, but their own belly. You ought to read that in the message version. Barbara read that to me out of the message. It was amazing. He says, and by their good words and fair speech, they deceive the hearts of the simple. For your obedience has come abroad to all men. I am glad, therefore, on your behalf. But yet I would have you wise unto that which is good and simple concerning evil. And then he says this in verse 20. And the God of peace shall uh, bruise Satan under your feet shortly. The grace of Jesus be with you all. You know, if you want Satan to be under your feet, you need to be connected to the right people and you need to stay away from the wrong people. Some people just aren't going in the wrong, right direction and you just... Don't need to hang out with them. Praise God. Amen. Just get connected. People go in the right direction, doing the right thing. It'll help you accomplish what God wants you to accomplish. Amen. 
He that walks with wise men shall be wise, but the companion of fools shall be destroyed. Some of these people are just crazy. And you know, I don't have a lot of time for them. Amen? I love them, but I just don't have a lot of time for them. Amen? Praise God. The last one that we have is live with purpose. You know, there is a kingdom purpose for your life. The Bible says this in 1 John 3, verse 8. It says, for this purpose was the Son of God manifest that he might destroy the works of the devil. Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil. What are the works of the devil? Sin is the work of the devil. Anxiety is the work of the devil. Sickness is the work of the devil. Poverty is the work of the devil. Praise God. And Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil. I hate sin. I hate anxiety. I hate sickness. And I hate poverty. Amen? I hate it. Amen? And I don't believe we need to love it at all. Amen? Just hate it. Praise God. And I believe part of what I'm called to do is get people set free in all those areas. Get people saved. Amen? Get people healed. Get people filled with the Holy Ghost and get people to prosper. I believe God's anointing me, amen, to help people prosper. And I believe God wants you to prosper. And I can show you all over the world. If you don't believe it, I can show you. You'll have to argue with the Bible. You know, the Bible says in 3 John 2, Beloved, I wish above all things that you would prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. The Bible says in Psalm 35, verse 27, let the Lord be magnified who has pleasure in the prosperity of his servant. Amen? Philippians chapter 4, verse 19 says, my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. In Luke chapter 12, verse 32, Jesus said, my little children, it's your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Matthew 6, verse 33 says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Amen? You seek God and seek his kingdom first. He'll take care of you. Amen? And I like to say he's taking care of me in grand style. Amen? I've been saying that, and it's been happening. You know, you, you should watch what you're saying. Praise God. You know, last week, I told you I was believing God that we'd get to pay for five of these churches in India where we partner with the church and they raise half the money. And so on Monday morning, I called uh, the man that runs this ministry. He's been doing this for over 25 years. And I said, hey, uh, can we still do that for the same amount of money we did it last year? He said, yeah. And I was planning on paying for one. And he said, you know, I was just in two churches over the weekend and both those churches paid to, to drill water wells, but no, nobody paid for church. And I've got two churches right now in India that have raised the money, and they need a partner to go half with them, praise God. And so, you know, I was a little bit close on finances, but I just said, you know what, I'll just pay for two of them right now. I said, I'll write the check right now. I'll put it in the, in the mail first thing this morning, praise God. And then just a few minutes later, I thought, you know, I need to call my good friend. I got a friend. I bet they'd love to build a church or or so, and so I called him up and asked him, what would you like to do? And, and the person went and talked to his wife, came back to me in a few minutes, called me back and said, hey, we want to we wanna build two of them. Praise God, we'll match it. And then Wednesday, I came, and I was running, running around the house and shouting and glorifying God. And 
Barbara, she was up in the shower. She said, what's going on? I said, praise God. I was planning on paying one for one church today. We've already got four of them spoken for. Then I came Wednesday night, and that family said, listen, we don't want to do two. We'll do three. So we've already, you better watch what you say. It might come to pass. <laughs> so we've already sent the check for two, and we're waiting for the money. We're going to send that on. Praise God. And, and we're, we're just involved in the world in world harvest, in world evangelism, sowing seed all over the world. I thank God. Jesus said, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And he who believes and is baptized shall be saved. And these signs shall follow them who believe. In my name, they will cast out devils. They will speak in new tongues. They will take up serpents. If they drink any deadly thing, it won't hurt them. Praise God. And they're going to lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. That is the great commission. That is the commanded mission of the church. And we all ought to be involved in the great commission in one way or another. Praise God. There is a purpose for our life that is greater than just right here and right now. Praise God. And we want to be involved in affecting people for eternity. There is an eternal purpose. We'll talk about that today. Now, how did Jesus, Jesus said for, the, you know, the scripture says, 1 John 3, verse 8, for this purpose is the Son of God manifest that he might destroy the works of the devil. How did he do that? Let's look at 1 John chapter 3. We'll begin reading in verse 5. You know that he was manifested, he was made known and revealed to take away our sins and in him is no sin. The number one way that Jesus destroyed the works of the devil is by taking our sins. John looked at Jesus in John 1.29, and he said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Jesus came to take away the sin of the world. Then he says in verse 6, whoever abides in him does not sin. Take up residence in Christ. Whoever sins, whoever is in the habit of sinning, the practice of sinning has not seen him, neither known him. The problem with people that are in the habit, practice of sinning, they're, they're having a, a lifestyle of sin is they, they've never really seen him. They've never really known him because if you see him and you know him, it'll change how you live your life. Little children, let no man deceive you. He who does righteousness is righteous even as he, Jesus, is righteous. See, righteous living is a result of the righteous life. Praise God. The second way that Jesus destroyed the works of the devil, number one, by taking our sin, number two, by making us righteous. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21 says, For God made him, Jesus, to be a sin offering for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. The moment that you believe on Jesus, your spirit is made righteous. And righteous living is a result of the righteous life. He goes on. He that commits sin... He that is in the practice of it is of the devil. For the devil sins from the beginning. For this purpose was the Son of God manifested, that he might destroy the works of the devil. 
Whoever is born of God does not commit sin. You know that scripture means what it says. Now, how do you understand that? I've been born again, and yet I still occasionally sin. It's talking about your spiritual condition. It's talking about your spirit. And if you begin to understand, if, if you don't read the New Testament from a perspective of understanding who you are in the spirit, you're going to miss about 90% of what it's talking about. I actually believe that 90% of the New Testament was written from the perspective of who we are in the spirit. That so many people just have an outward focus. They're just focused on the outward man rather than the inward man. But if you begin to understand who you are in the spirit, it will change your life. Whoever is born of God does not commit sin for his seed remains in him and he cannot sin. That's talking about your spirit because he is born of God. God. So here's how Jesus destroyed the works of the devil. Number one, he took our sin. Number two, he made us righteous. And number three, he put his divine life on the inside of us. Praise God. You've got the life of God in you. You've got the nature of Jesus in you. You've got the ability of Jesus, the same life. You know, Romans chapter eight says this in verse uh, nine, it says, if we have not the spirit of Christ, then we are none of his. Verse 10 says this, Romans chapter eight, verse 10 says, and if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit is life because of righteousness. In other words, your body is not dominating you. Your body is not reigning over you as a believer, but your spirit is alive because of righteousness. He says then in verse 11, but if the spirit of him who raised up Christ from the dead dwell in you, he will quicken your mortal body by his spirit that dwells in you. So the way that Jesus destroyed the work of the devil, number one, is he took our sin. Number two, he made us righteous. And number three, he imparted his divine life into us. Whoever is born of God does not commit sin. That's your true spiritual condition. For his seed remains in him, and he cannot sin because he is born of God. In this the children of God are manifest. They're made known and revealed. And the children of the devil, whoever does not righteousness is not of God, neither he who loves not his brother. Praise God. So you need to let the life of God the light of God, and the love of God rule from your spirit. Amen? Let the love of God rule you. Romans chapter 5, verse 5, says that when the, the love of God is shed abroad in our heart by the Holy Ghost that's given to us. Amen? So first of all, Jesus, praise God, destroyed the works of the devil by taking our sin, then by making us righteous, and then imparting his divine life into us. The second way he did it is by the power of the Holy Spirit. Turn with me to, to Luke chapter 4. Luke chapter 4, we'll begin reading in verse 14. We'll read through verse 19. This is when Jesus opened his earthly ministry, and he had just been baptized. He was 30 years old. He overcame the devil with every temptation, Praise God. How many of you know he overcame the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, the pride of life? Same thing was in the garden. 
1 John 2 says that's the same challenge as we have. But if you read the verses, that's verse 15 to verse 17 of 1 John 2. But if you read verse 12 to verse 14, it tells you what you have. And because of what you have, amen, the world, the flesh, and the devil are no problem. It says you are forgiven. You have a relationship with God. The word of God abides in you. You have overcome the wicked one. Amen? And you have a right to a, a, a relationship with God, knowing the Father, knowing him. That's what it's talking about. Praise God. So if you know that you are forgiven, you have a relationship with God, the word of God overcome lives in you. The word of God abides in you. Amen? You know that, praise God, you have overcome the wicked one. When you know those things, when you know what God has invested in you, then the world, the flesh, and the devil are really no match. They're no problem. See, the Bible says, greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. So Jesus overcame the devil in every temptation. Verse 14, Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit into Galilee. There went out a fame of him throughout all the region round about, and he taught in their synagogues, being glorified of all. And he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, and as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up to read. And there was delivered to him the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he opened the book, he found the place where it is written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, and the recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. So Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil. He did it by taking our sin, by giving us his righteousness, by imparting his divine life into us, and then through the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Did you know if you are born of God, you are anointed? You have, this, you have an anointing of truth, and you have an anointing of life. Talks about that in 1 John chapter 2. It says you have an unction, you have an anointing from the Holy One, and you know all things. And because of the anointing of truth and the anointing of life that's in you, you can live the Christian life just as good as anybody, any other believer on the planet. You're just as anointed as Lawson Purdue or Andrew Womack or Jesse Duplantis or anybody else that you know to live the Christian life because Jesus Christ lives in you. You have his life and his nature. It's an anointing of truth, and it's anointing of life. Now, the anointing to minister to other people varies. It's different because there are different giftings, right, of the Holy Spirit. Praise God. And so we're anointed to minister to people in different ways. The Spirit of the Lord is on me. See, there's an anointing in you and an anointing on you. Amen? But we can walk in the victory because of what Jesus has done. Now, people of faith, we're talking about living with purpose. People of faith are people of purpose. I want you to turn with me a minute to, to Hebrews chapter 11, where it talks about all these different faith heroes in, in the past, in the Old Testament. And it begins in verse 1 saying, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. You see, because we are people of faith, our life has substance. 
Our life has the evidence of a God that you cannot see. Faith is the substance of the things that we hope for and the evidence of things that we do not see. For by it, the elders obtained a good report. How do you get a good report? You get, get a good report through faith. Why? Because faith pleases God. You want to please God, you've got to live by faith. Through faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. Through faith, we understand that God created the heaven. God created the earth. God created everything in it. We understand that man was created by God for a purpose. Hallelujah. You know, when God created man, when God created Adam and Eve in the garden, he gave them purpose. He said, be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish, over the birds, over the air, over everything that lives and moves and breathes on the earth. And behold, I've given you every herb bearing seed and every animal that has life. He said, this is what I want you to do. And this is what I've given to you. So you you can get the job done. And if God's called you to do something, he's given you something to do it. He's given you everything you need to do, everything he called you to do. And if you begin to understand that, you'll begin to live in victory. You'll begin to live in a completely different way. Praise God. We need to live like that. Hallelujah. We need to think like that. It'll change. No more victim thinking. No more whining. No more complaining. No more blaming somebody else and belly aching. Hallelujah. But rising up and taking our authority and moving into God's purpose and plan for our life. Amen. Praise God. And so by faith, we understand our lives have evidence of a God that you cannot see. By faith, we understand God created everything with his word. We're created for a purpose. You know what's wrong with the world? You know what's wrong with a lot of the young? They say a lot of the young generation is being challenged in the church that they don't have a purpose. A lot of our young generation as a whole don't have purpose. My son Peter a few years ago went to watch his brother-in-law graduate from Stanford University and he was appalled. And he called me and he said, Daddy, these young people don't have any purpose. You see, if you don't understand that in the beginning God created the heaven and earth, and if you don't understand that God created you, then you don't know that there's a purpose for your life. But when you understand that God created heaven and God created the earth and God created you, you'll understand that there is a purpose for life. Listen, I, I just can't understand anybody that, that's just bored. Hallelujah. Since I got filled with the Holy Ghost, I, I mean, there's so much to do. Every day I get up early and, and, I, and I just go at it. Hallelujah. And, and, and you know, I, I just I work all day. And if I have something to work at night, I work at night. And then I go to bed and sleep because I'm giving myself to purpose. Hallelujah. There's a purpose to live for. We have something to live for that's greater than ourselves. Hallelujah, there's a world that needs to know Jesus. There's people that need to be saved and healed and filled with the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah, there's more churches that need to be built. There's more ministers that need to be anointed. There's, we have a purpose. There's so much to do. Hallelujah, we get to live, we get to do this. 
Paul said he saved us and called us with a holy calling from the foundation of the world. Do you believe in a God like that? I believe in a God that has purpose for us from the foundation of the world. That's why he's God and we're not. He goes on a little bit and says this in verse 6. He said, but without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. We don't just believe that God is, but we believe that God rewards those who diligently seek him. We believe that God is and we believe that God is good. You see, the devils believe and tremble. But we not only believe that God is, we know that he's good. God is a good God. Hallelujah. When you begin to understand that, you hallelujah, there's a reason to get up in the morning. There's a reason to go to work every day. There, there's a reason. Hallelujah. We get to do this. There's a reason. Hallelujah. To come to church on Sunday. There's a reason to go to work on Monday. Hallelujah. I get to live, I get to give, I get to serve, I get to love my brother, I get to pray for the sick, I get to cast out devils, I get to preach the gospel, I get to do this, I get to love people. Oh, sometimes they challenge you a little bit. <laughs> but I was reading right in there after Barbara said it, I was reading, I was looking, oh, I need to do a little bit less, a little bit better in that. I got the love I got in me, and I got to do a little better in that love walk. Barbara said, I'd like to ride with you one time and have you not say something about somebody else's driving. Because <laughs> I'm living with purpose, and I'm ready to get there. Not next year. Hallelujah. <laughs> Jesus, Jesus loved Pastor Lawson. Hallelujah. Okay. Glory to God. We get to live. These people of faith were people that lived with purpose. By faith, Abel gave an offering. And by that offering, he being dead, yet speaks. His life was marked by his giving. His giving went into eternity where it affected people. Abel gave the first. He gave the best. After a period of time, Cain brought some leftovers. But Abel brought his first. He brought his best. Hallelujah. By faith, Enoch walked with God and he was not. You know, you study the genealogies in Genesis Enoch was the seventh from Adam. If you study the ages, when Enoch was a little boy, Adam was still alive. And I, I believe he heard Adam talking about how he missed it. And he regretted how he missed it in the garden, how he ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. But he talked about how God walked in the garden in the cool of the day and how they had fellowship and relationship with God. And I believe that Enoch began to desire that. And Enoch wa walked with God by the by faith, Noah built an ark to the saving, prepared an ark. It, it took him a long time. Did you know he was 500 years old when God spoke to him? He was 600 years old when he entered into the ark. And for 100 years, he was building an ark. It was 450 feet long. It was 75 feet wide. It was three stories high. It was his life's work. 
His wife was helping him. His three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth, they were all helping him and their families. People were mocking them. People were laughing at them. People were thinking they were crazy. But he obtained the witness that he was righteous. By faith, he built an ark. By faith, Abraham obeyed God and he went out. He was looking for a city whose builder and maker was God. By faith, it says actually through faith, Sarah received strength to conceive seed in her old age because she judged him faithful who promised. It takes faith to receive strength to conceive the seed of the promise of God that God's given you. Through faith, Isaac, by faith, Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau. By faith, Jacob blessed the sons of Joseph. By faith, Joseph gave commandment concerning his bones. By faith, Moses chose to suffer reproach with the people of God rather than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. By faith, Joshua, hallelujah, it doesn't say Joshua, but it's talking about Joshua in verse 30. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down and they were compassed about seven days. Verse 31, I love verse 31. By faith, the harlot Rahab. I just love that right there, by faith. You know what? It doesn't matter where you came from. God doesn't care where you came from. Where you're going is a lot more important than where you came from. By faith, the heart at Rahab perished not with those that believe not. Listen, there might be some people who are perishing because they don't believe, but we don't have to perish with them. They may be going to hell, but we don't have to go to hell with them. By faith, she perished not with those who believed not when she received the spies with peace. You see, faith will cause you to make a decision. Faith, faith will cause you to live with purpose greater than yourself. Then faith, people of faith and people of purpose are people. They're decisive people. Let's look at this in verse 23. By faith, Moses, when he was born was hid three months of his parents because they saw that he was a proper child and they were not afraid of the king's commandment. By faith, Moses, when he was come to years, when he's come to age, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Did you know more than likely, Moses was the next in line for the throne? Egypt was the greatest empire in the world. Look at the next verse. It says, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. The pleasures of sin are just for a season. It, it doesn't last very long. You look at this. I mean, that's the greatest empire in the world. More than likely, he was the one that was going to take over the throne. But he chose to suffer affliction with the people of God It'd be like turning down the presidency of the United States of America because you want to stand and believe on Jesus. He chose rather to suffer affliction with the people of God 
Notice verse 26, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt because he valued his relationship with God. He made a choice because he esteemed. He valued his relationship with God. For he had respect to the repayment of the reward. By faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king. For he endured as seeing him who is invisible. It's been said that faith sees the invisible, hears the inaudible, does the impossible. Through faith he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of the blood, lest he that destroyed the firstborn would touch them. By faith they passed through the Red Sea as by dry land, which the Egyptians, talking about doing, were drowned. <laughs> you know, God can use the same thing to deliver you and destroy your enemies. So you keep your eyes on Jesus and keep believing God and keep going forward. Amen. So many of the church just operating in the same fear the world fears. God didn't give you a spirit of intimidation, but a spirit of power and love and a sound mind. We have the mind of Christ. We know what to do. We know when to do it. We know how to do it. Glory to God, we have the mind of Christ. We're blessed and highly favored. We're the head and not the tail. We're above and not beneath. Begin to understand who God says you are, and you'll begin to live differently than the rest of the world. But people of faith are decisive people. Let's look at Daniel, Daniel chapter 1. Daniel was a person of purpose. It says in verse 8 and verse 9 of Daniel 1, Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with a portion of the king's meat nor the wine which he drank. Therefore, he requested of the prince of the Enix that he might not defile himself. Now, God brought Daniel into favor and tender love with the prince of the Enix. Daniel purpose. His purpose was connected to the covenant that he had with God. I'm not going to defile him myself with what the king's kids are eating because I'm, I've got a covenant with God. You've got a covenant with God. It separates you from the world. Now, they tested them for a while, and they found that they appeared to be fatter and better than the others. That was kind of a miracle when they're just eating lettuce and tomatoes. And when they brought Daniel and his three Hebrew friend, friends in and tested them, look at this in verse 20. In all manners of wisdom and understanding that the king inquired of them, he found them 10 times better. Not 10% better. 10 times better. 1,000%. Listen, guys, life is not fair. We have favor. We got the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. We win. Hallelujah. My son Andrew, I believe, designed the largest gas plant in North America. There were some questions that there were no engineers that knew how to solve. But he's got favor and he's got the Holy Ghost. So he went and prayed in tongues and God showed him what to do. My son Peter is the vice president of finance of Burger King of the Americas. And there's a lot of times that there's a lot of hard questions and he doesn't know how to solve them. But he prays in the spirit and he has the mind of Christ. 
Hallelujah. Life is not fair, guys. We have favor. We have a God that is for us. We have the Holy Ghost that is in us. Listen, you don't have to be like the rest of the world. You can live like the children of God. World's so worried about everything. Oh, I'm so quick and I'm so poor. And half the church is worse than the world. But we win. We're the head and not the tail. We're above and not beneath. We're blessed and we're not cursed. We got the mind of Christ. Hallelujah. Start living like who you are. Start thinking like who God says you are. Start being who God wants you to be. Doing what God wants you to do. Whether it's in business. Whether it's in ministry. Hallelujah. No matter what you're doing, praise God, you can make a difference. Glory to God. My kids, when they went to high school, had a teacher. He was a Baptist preacher. He had a holy Bible on his desk. He was the head over the weightlifting department, the physical education department at Cheyenne Mountain High School. And nobody made him take that Bible away. And he was constantly sharing with those young men and different people in that school about Jesus. Listen, get to know Jesus and tell people about Jesus wherever you are, whatever you're doing. Praise God, we get to make a difference in this. Listen, there's a purpose for you to live. There's people that need to know Jesus. There's people that need to hear the gospel. There's people that need to be healed and filled with the Holy Ghost wherever you go. So many people are living so much less than God had. Not 10% better, 10 times better. A thousand percent. We have the Spirit of God. We have the Spirit of God you know, Pharaoh said, is there anybody like Joseph that has the spirit of God in them? That no, Joseph not only could interpret the dream, Joseph knew what to do about it. And everybody else was sweating bullets and Joseph said, hey, there ain't no problem because God already showed me what he's going to do. <laughs> oh, we know God, friends. We have the Holy Spirit. We have a Bible full of promises that we believe. Jesus is Lord and he's on the throne. Listen, we win. We win. Hallelujah. People of faith are decisive people. Glory to God. I make decisions <laughs> on a weekly basis concerning hundreds of thousands of dollars. And I know what to do. I've got, I don't always get it right, but I get it right a lot more than I get it wrong. And I can't just stand these wimpy people that preaching all this fear. Glory to God, we want to make a difference. And we're making a difference by the grace of God and by faith in Jesus and through the power of the Holy Spirit. And you ain't seen nothing yet. Glory to God. Turn with me to Deuteronomy chapter 30. People of faith make our decisive people. People of purpose are decisive people. Beginning in verse 11. For this commandment which I command you today is not hidden from you. It's not hard, far off. It's not hard to know the will of God. It's not in heaven that you should, you should say who will go to heaven for us and bring it to us that we may hear it and do it. It's not beyond the sea that you should say who will go over the sea for us and bring it to us that we may hear it and do it. But the word is near you in your mouth and in your heart that you may do it. Like I said, you better watch what you say. You might be doing it. 
Hallelujah. See, I set before you this day life and good, death and evil. That I command you this day to love the Lord thy God and walk in his ways and keep his word and, and, and that you may live and multiply and the Lord God will bless you in the land where you go to possess it. You see, you got to believe in God and you got to believe that he's good. But if your heart turn away in verse 17... So that you will not hear, you'll be drawn away and worship other gods and serve them. I denounce you this day that you'll surely perish and you'll not prolong your days on the land where you go to pass over Jordan to possess it. I call heaven and earth to record this day against you that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life that you and your seed may live. Choose life. Choose Jesus. Choose the Word. Choose the Holy Spirit. Choose God's ways, choose God's plans, that you may love God and obey his voice, that you may cleave to him, for he is your life and the length of your days, that you may dwell in the land. Listen, we're dwelling in the promised land. He says in Deuteronomy 11, he gives us a promise, your days will be like days of heaven on earth. You know, I tell people God is, there's a lot of crazy in this world, but God is taking care of me in grand style. And you know what? I just watch it happen. He's taking care of me in grand style. Oh, hallelujah. I love what Pastor Mark Hankins said. Brother Mark, he's going to be here this summer. But uh, he, he says this, God wants to bless you so much that he makes you an advertisement and says, this is how I treat my kids. It's marvelous. We get to do this, guys. We get to live in his purpose. We get to live in his plan. We get to live in his will. We get to preach the gospel. We get to lay hands on the sick. We get to cast out devils. Praise God. We get to walk in our divine authority. We get to give. We get to love our brother. Hallelujah. Be kind to our neighbor, Pastor Lawson. Hallelujah. We get to do all this. Isn't it marvelous? We get to do this. It's marvelous. I'm so happy. Are you happy? Praise God. And where do you find your purpose? You find your purpose through your relationship with Jesus, and you fulfill it through the power of the Holy Spirit. Let's read in Ephesians chapter 1. I want to read just a couple of verses to you. In Ephesians chapter 1, we'll begin in verse 9 through verse 11. It says this, In whom in Christ we obtained an inheritance being predestinated. There's a plan for your life according to the purpose of him who works all things after the counsel of his own will that we should be to the praise of his glory who first trusted in his grace, that who first trusted in Christ. You know, I love that term, to the praise of his glory. He uses it in verse 6. He says, to the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he made us accepted in the beloved. In the Greek, it says like this. When God sees you, he sees you in your full potential through Christ. And when you come to rest in a fixed position in the grace of God, he makes you accepted in the blood. He sees you in your full potential through the grace of God. And then when you rest in that, he just says, accepted, accepted, accepted. He uses this first, this same term in, in verse 12, that you should be, that you should walk to the praise of his glory, that you should walk out his divine plan and purpose. 
in whom you trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom that after you believed you were sealed. It goes along with those first verses, 1 John 3 that we were reading, verse 10. You were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, which is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession, until Jesus comes again and we get a glorified body. That's awesome. That's amazing. Called amazing grace. We get to live in it. There's a purpose for our life. It's greater than ourselves. We find it in Christ. Paul talks about it. Let's go to Acts chapter 26. He's talking about how he got saved. Have you told anybody lately about how you got saved? Have you told anybody about how Jesus saved you, freed you, healed you, blessed you? Hallelujah. Listen to Paul and Verse 12, he's testifying before King Agrippa, and he's talking about his conversion. He says, whereupon, as I went to Damascus with the authority and commission from the chief priest. You know, you can be zealous about the wrong thing. (laughs) At midday, O king, I saw on the way a light from heaven above the brightness of the sun shining round about me and those who journeyed with me. And when we were all fallen to the earth, I heard a voice speaking to me, saying in the Hebrew tongue, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? It is hard for you to kick against the prick. You know what? It's hard to serve the devil. The Bible says the way of the transgressor is hard. It's not hard to serve God. It's hard to serve the devil. Jesus said, take my yoke upon you, for my my yoke is easy and my burden is light. You know what? If things are hard, you're you're yoked up with the wrong one. Praise God. You got the wrong mentality there. Jesus said, Saul, it's hard to go the wrong way. He said, who are you, Lord? He knew him. (laughs) He said, I am Jesus whom you persecute. But get up and stand on your feet. I have appeared unto you for this purpose. There's a purpose for your life. To make you a minister and a witness of the things which you have seen. And of the things which I will appear to you. You know, you start out going a direction, but as you walk with Jesus, he redirects you sometimes. Sometimes you may be struggling a little bit. You just need a little bit of redirection. Hallelujah. Delivering you from the people and and the Gentiles to whom I now send you. When Paul went to the Jews, he had very little fruit. But when he went to the Gentiles, he had a great revival. He said to open their eyes and turn them from darkness to light, from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and the inheritance among those who are sanctified by faith that is in me. Praise God. You get this privilege to share with people, to turn them from darkness to light, from the power of the devil to God, that they could receive the forgiveness of sins. And an inheritance. Listen, I'm telling you guys, God wants to bless you. He wants to help you. If you just let him, if you just make the right choice and live in his purpose, it's an amazing thing. It's an amazing thing. Can I share one more scripture? Turn with me to 2 Timothy chapter 3, and we'll end with two verses. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 10 and verse 11. Paul's talking again. But you've fully known my doctrine. You knew what I believed. What I believe directed my life. If what you believe doesn't change your life for good, I I really don't care. I don't want to follow you. Right? Some people say they believe something, but man, they're living like the devil. I say, I don't know. 
You knew my doctrine. You knew my manner of life. You knew my purpose. My purpose. I'm living life on purpose. My faith. I believe when you get connected with the purpose of God, it takes faith to fulfill it. It takes faith to walk it out. He says, my long-suffering. There might be some challenge, but you just keep pressing through. My love, my patience, my persecution and affliction, which came to me at Antioch, Iconium, and Lystra, which persecutions I endured. You know, when you read about that in Acts 13 and 14, one of those places, they stoned Paul and left him for dead. <laughs> you know what he did? His disciples gathered around him started praying, raised him from the dead. He got up and went right back to those people that just stoned him and preached the gospel. And then he left that town and went to the last town that, run, that, he, that they run him out of and preached the gospel to them. And then he left that town and went to the other town where they just run him out of and preached the gospel. Listen, you just can't keep a good man down. He said, you may have knocked me down, but you haven't knocked me out. Glory to God. God is with me. The Spirit of God raised me up, and I'm going to do what God called me to do. So my conclusion is very simple. Praise God. Our purpose affects our destiny. We find our purpose in Christ. We fulfill our purpose through the Holy Spirit. So make a decision to follow God's plan for your life. I love you. Thank you for listening to the Karis Christian Center podcast. If you would like to receive prayer, product, or more information about the ministry, go to www.karischristiancenter.com or call us at 719-418-4000.